0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of Keenbox disease from the hand section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Keenbox disease is the avascular necrosis of the lunate, which can lead to progressive wrist pain and abnormal carpal motion. Diagnosis can be made with wrist radiographs in advanced cases, but may require MRI for detection of early disease. Treatment is NSAIDs and observation in minimally symptomatic patients. A variety of operative procedures are available, depending on severity of disease and patient symptoms. Now, let's get into the episode. As far as the epidemiology, Keenbox disease is most common in males between 20 to 40 years old. Risk factors include history of trauma. As far as the pathophysiology of Keenbox disease, it is thought to be caused by multiple factors, biomechanical factors and anatomic factors. Biomechanical factors include an ulnar negative variance which leads to increased radial lunate contact stress, decreased radial inclination, and repetitive trauma. Anatomic factors include the geometry of the lunate and vascular supply to the lunate, and keep in mind that patterns of arterial blood supply have differential incidences of avascular necrosis. As far as vascular supply to the lunate, disruption of venous outflow can lead to increased intraosseous pressure, and blood supply to the capitate is also poor and may lead to avascular necrosis. Now let's go over some relevant anatomy. Specifically, we'll talk about the blood supply to the lunate, and there are three variations, a Y pattern, an X pattern, and an I pattern. The I pattern is seen in 31% of patients and is postulated to be at the highest risk for avascular necrosis. As far as the classification of Keenbach's disease, the one to know is the Lixman classification. And this is divided into four stages. Stage 1 is described as no visible changes on x ray, however, changes are seen on MRI. Treatment is immobilization and NSAIDs. Stage 2 is described as sclerosis of the lunate, and treatment can include a joint leveling procedure in the setting of ulnar negative patients, a radial wedge osteotomy or STT fusion, which is done in ulnar neutral patients, distal radius core decompression and revascularization procedures. Stage 3 is divided into stage 3a and stage 3b. Stage 3a is described as lunate collapse and no scaphoid rotation. The treatment is the same as stage 2, again joint leveling procedures in ulnar negative patients, a radial wedge osteotomy or STT fusion in ulnar neutral patients, distal radius core decompression, or a revascularization procedure. Stage 3B is described as lunate collapse and fixed scaphoid rotation. Treatment in stage 3B is a proximal row carpectomy, STT fusion, or SC fusion. Finally, stage 4 is described as degenerated adjacent intercarpal joints and treatment is a wrist fusion, proximal row carpectomy, or limited intercarpal fusion. As far as the presentation of Keenbox disease Symptoms can include dorsal wrist pain, which is usually more activity-related and is more often in the dominant hand. Physical exams should include inspection and palpation, which may reveal plus or minus wrist swelling. However, patients are often tender over the radiocarpal joint. Range of motion assessment may reveal decreased flexion-slash-extension arcs and a decreased grip strength. As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP, lateral, and oblique views of the wrist. CT is most useful once the lunate collapse has already occurred. CT is best for showing the extent of the necrosis, trabecular destruction, and lunate geometry. MRI is best for diagnosing early disease. It's also used to rule out ulnar impaction. Findings may include decreased T1 signal intensity, as well as reduced vascularity of the lunate. Treatment for keenbox disease can be non-operative or operative. Nonoperative management includes observation, immobilization, and NSAIDs. This is indicated as the initial management for stage 1 disease. As far as outcomes, a majority of these patients will undergo further degeneration and require operative management. Operative options include temporary scapho trapeziotrapezoidal pinning. This is indicated for adolescents with radiographic evidence of keen box and progressive wrist pain. Other options include joint leveling procedures which are indicated for stage 1, 2, and 3a disease with ulnar negative variants, this is considered the initial operative management. The technique can be a radial shortening osteotomy or an ulnar lengthening osteotomy. However, there is more evidence on radial shortening. A radial wedge osteotomy is another operative option, which is indicated for stage 1, stage 2, and stage 3a disease with ulnar positive or neutral variants. Vascularized bone grafts is another operative option which is indicated in stage 1, 2, 3a, and 3b disease. As far as outcomes, early results are promising but long-term data is lacking. The best results are seen in stage 3 patients. A distal core decompression is indicated for stage 1, stage 2, and stage 3a disease. The technique creates a local vascular healing response. A partial wrist fusion is another potential option, and this can be an STT fusion, a capitate shortening osteotomy plus or minus a capitohemate fusion, and a scaphocapitate fusion. This is indicated for stage 2 disease with ulnar neutral or positive variants, stage 3a or 3b disease, and remember that you must address internal collapse patterns like a DZ deformity. A proximal row carpectomy is indicated for stage 3b disease and stage 4 disease. As far as outcomes, some studies have shown superior results of STT fusion over a proximal row carpectomy for stage 3b disease. Wrist fusion is indicated for stage 4 disease, and in the technique, you must remove the arthritic part of the joint. Finally, a total wrist arthroplasty is indicated for stage 4 disease. As far as outcomes, long-term results are not available. Now, let's quickly talk about the technique for vascularized bone grafts in a bit more detail. Many options have been described including transfer of the pisiform, transfer of the distal radius on a vascularized pedicle or pronator quadratus, transfer of the branches of the first, second, or third dorsal metacarpal arteries, 4 plus 5 extensor compartment artery or ECA, and the technique also involves temporary pinning of the STT joint, SC joint, or external fixation which may be used to unload the lunate after revascularization. Now let's go over the impact of certain surgical procedures on radiolunate contact stress. So in an STT fusion, there's a 3% decrease on radiolunate contact stress. In a scaphocapitate fusion, there's a 12% decrease on radiolunate contact stress. In a capitohamate fusion, there's 0% decrease on radiolunate contact stress. Ulnar lengthening of four millimeters translates to 45% decrease on radiolunate contact stress. Radial shortening of 4mm also has a 45% decrease on radiolunate contact stress. And finally, capitate shortening and hamate fusion has a 66% decrease on radiolunate contact stress, but 26% increase in radioscaphoid load. As far as the prognosis of Keenbox disease, this is a progressive and potentially debilitating condition if unrecognized and untreated. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. First question, a 28-year-old jackhammer operator presents with four years of wrist pain. The patient was seen three years ago and had normal wrist radiographs at the time. The PA who saw him diagnosed him with a wrist sprain and he subsequently returned to work. His symptoms never improved even after a period of casting, so he's referred to your clinic after an MRI was obtained. The T1 coronal MRI of the wrist demonstrates a low signal intensity within the proximal pole of the capitate, consistent with avascular necrosis. On physical examination, he has dorsal wrist tenderness and limited wrist extension. What surgical procedure may offer him the most reliable pain relief while best preserving the native anatomy? And the choices are 1. Vascularized bone graft, 2. Proximal pole excision and tendon interposition, 3. Scaphocapitate or SC fusion, 4. Proximal row carpectomy, and 5. Scaphoidectomy and four-corner fusion. The correct answer to this question is 1. Vascularized bone graft. So this patient has avascular necrosis of the proximal pole of the capitate. The surgical procedure which would offer him the most reliable pain relief while best preserving the native anatomy is a vascularized bone graft. To quickly review, aseptic or avascular necrosis, otherwise known as AVN of the capitate, is a rare condition and often occurs secondary to a traumatic injury. AVN of the capitate may be further potentiated by a number of unique anatomical features such as irregularity of the blood supply, which is typically palmar dominant, and retrograde perfusion, which is analogous to the scaphoid. This condition is also purportedly more common in ligamentously lax patients. Conservative treatment begins with cast immobilization, though recalcitrant cases may be treated with capitate decompression, SC fusion, four-corner fusion, or vascularized bone graft. A local vascularized graft offers the best chance of restoring perfusion to the capitate and preserving native anatomy. Peters et al. reviewed six cases of capitate AVN. Ultimately, four were treated with SC fusion and two had a four-corner fusion. The authors reported good to excellent results in three, fair in two, and poor in one. They concluded that arthrodesis most reliably produced the best results. Lipinski and Mack reviewed a single case of capitate AVN in a 20-year-old female. Intraoperatively, the authors found that the proximal pole was cystic and non-viable. As a result, the proximal pole was excised and replaced with a tendon interposed. They reported that she continued to have pain postoperatively and went on to eventual wrist arthrodesis. The authors underscored the difficulty of the diagnosis and difficulties in management. Hattori et al. reported a case of treating capitate AVN with a vascularized pedicled bone graft from the dorsal-distal radius, specifically the fourth extracompartmental artery. At one year, the authors reported excellent symptomatic relief and that the patient was able to return to playing baseball. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer two, proximal pole excision and tendon interposition is incorrect as although this procedure has been described, it does not restore native anatomy. The case of tendon interposition that we discussed by Lipinski and Mack required revision to a wrist arthrodesis. Answer three, scaphocapitate or SC fusion is incorrect as an SC fusion is described for this condition but would not restore native anatomy. Answer four, proximal roll carpectomy is incorrect as a proximal roll carpectomy would likely exacerbate the condition as the radiocarpal joint would now articulate with the dysvascular capitate. Finally, answer 5, scaphoidectomy and four-corner fusion is incorrect, as a scaphoidectomy and four-corner fusion may be performed, but this would not restore native anatomy. And moving on to the final question, a 30-year-old right-hand dominant accountant has progressive wrist pain for the last 18 months. He was initially treated in a cast, however his symptoms have continuously worsened. An AP of the wrist shows the lunate is collapsed and there is a loss of carpal height secondary to proximal capitate migration. A lateral x-ray demonstrates a flex scaphoid. He reports decreased grip strength and physical exam is significant for decreased wrist extension and tenderness directly over the radiocarpal joint. Examination of the contralateral wrist is otherwise unremarkable. All of the following are described as etiologies for this condition except, and the choices are 1, ulnar negative variance, 2. High interosseous pressure, 3. Underlying medical conditions, 4. Decreased radial inclination, and 5. Increased carpal height. The correct answer to this question is 5. Increased carpal height. So the patient presents with advanced late-stage Keenbox disease or avascular necrosis of the lunate all of the other choices are risk factors for development of Keenbach disease except for increased carpal height. Conversely, a decrease in the carpal height is associated with avascular necrosis of the lunate. To quickly review, the etiology of Keenbach disease is multifactorial and includes ulnar negative variants, decreased radial inclination, vascular congestion from high interosseous pressure, and medical conditions including scleroderma, sickle cell anemia, systemic lupus erythematosus, and corticosteroid use. The condition is more prevalent in men ages 20 to 40 and may also be associated with a history of trauma. Immobilization is the treatment for early Keenbox disease prior to lune collapse after which surgical intervention is indicated. Nakamura et al. compared 20 patients with Keenbox who underwent a proximal row carpectomy with those who underwent limited wrist fusion. They found that those who underwent a proximal row carpectomy had inferior range of motion, strength, and increased pain. The authors recommended consideration of scapho-trapezio-trapezoid or STT fusion for patients with advanced Keenbach's disease as limited wrist fusion that is STT or SC or joint leveling procedures such as radial shortening or capitate shortening that may help decompress the lunate. However, they concluded that late disease with lunate collapse may require proximal roll carpectomy or total wrist fusion. Lichtman et al. reviewed a series of 38 patients who underwent silicone arthroplasty for keenbox disease. 14 of 20 patients had satisfactory results when the surgery was done before the lunate collapsed. The authors stressed early diagnosis and early surgical intervention. Condit et al. reviewed 23 patients who underwent STT fusion or radial shortening osteotomy for keenbox disease. They found that when the scaphoid was flexed, that is a Lichtman stage 3b, no patient had a good result regardless of surgical procedure. In general, outcomes in the radial shortening cohort were superior the authors stressed the consideration of the radioscaphoid angle as a preoperative predictor of surgical success. Goldfarb et al. evaluated wrist radiographs from patients with Kienböck's disease. They found that the inter-observer reliability of the Lickman classification was generally very high, with K equaling 0.63. However, that for stage 3A, that is lunate collapse without scaphoid flexion, was poor, with K equaling 0.38. The author stressed the difference in 3a and 3b, that is lunate collapse, is the presence of a fixed scaphoid flexion in 3b. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, ulnar negative variance is incorrect, as ulnar negative variance has been postulated as a cause which may put additional pressure on the lunate, leading to avascular necrosis. Answer 2, high interosseous pressure, particularly greater than 40 mmHg as compared to the capitate, may predispose to avascular necrosis. Answer 3, underlying medical conditions is incorrect as a number of medical conditions may lead to avascular necrosis. Finally, answer 4, decreased radial inclination is incorrect as a decreased radial inclination has been associated with lunate avascular necrosis by possibly increasing radial lunate contact pressure. That's all for this review about Keenbox disease. Hopefully, that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.